the there was a new document that was dropped today uh, in the Idaho case against uh, Brian Koberger for the uh, quadruple homicides of Kaylee Gonzalez, Maddie Mogan, Zana Cronodo, and Ethan Chapin. And the basically, this is referencing the IgG work that um, Judge Judge basically had forced the prosecution to 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 drop off. He wanted to see it. He wanted to see what was in there. So I'm going to read through it real quick. It says, comes now the state of Idaho by and through Latah County prosecuting attorney and hereby gives notice that the pursuant to this court, October 25th, 2023, order addressing IgG DNA and order in camera review. Uh, the state has submitted the IgG information in its possession, custody or control to the court for an in camera review dated this December 30th. Uh, I mean, this a uh, 30th of November, 2023. And the next page is just a certificate of delivery. So they turned it in. They they submitted the documents and the uh, the workup, whatever it is that they got from the FBI. And I will just wait for what Judge Judge says and, and, and puts in his review. Are you guys surprised that they submitted it? I think there's some people that are. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people. I know a lot of people that are that are looking through that um, got framed outlook. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So those those will probably be surprised, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was forced to turn in. We don't actually get to see what's on there, and neither does the defense team. Uh, the only person that gets to see what's what the FBI did is the uh is the judge and then he'll decide if there's anything in there that should be given over to the uh to the defense so let's just say there is or there isn't i'm not i'm not sure how that how this is going to dismiss this case but let's talk about it let's talk about the implications of the igg let's talk about how you know how it was used let's talk about um, how they plan on using it in court if they plan on using it in court. We'll talk about the fruit of the poisonous tree and so on. So first and foremost, you know, what is it? So to my knowledge, what had happened or from my understanding, what had happened, you know what, let me put up a banner real quick before we get into it. Huh. Um, Bring back integrity back. Uh, bring integrity back. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, mods. If you can help her getting a link or, or getting help to the uh, uh, members um, page, that'd be that'd be helpful. All right. Now that I got that, go ahead. I said, open up your gifts. Sometimes the, the people give um, gifts as uh, memberships, and you might get a free one. You never know. Yeah. 100%. You never know. I, I know somebody who's gotten like eight of them, uh, but you know, no, nobody's saying any names. I will. <laughs> Quiet. All right. So, let's <laughs> so what is it? How was it used? And, you know, where did it come from? So basically, from my understanding, what happened was police arrive on scene November 13th, right? Uh, about noon. That's when the uh, 911 call comes in. First responders, uh, first officers on scene, 
uh, realize that, you know, there's, this is a homicide. So none of the paramedics are allowed in or any of that detective lead detective don't get there until four. Right. He's the detective on, on staff. He goes through, through the, the house. He sees the knife sheath. I'm assuming after that point, that's when forensic team recovers the knife sheath and, uh, and submits it into evidence. Reason being is one, the lead detective is definitely going to want to see where the knife sheath was located, you know, what position it was in, things like that, where the body was um, on top of it. And if there was anything else that was maybe perhaps, uh, you know, blocking its view, the, the, I think there was a comforter as well. Well, all those things will have to have pictures taken and be documented heavily. And once once the body is, I'm, I'm assuming, picked up and it's shown the rest of where the sheath is at, um, from what I understand and the way I would uh, assume a, like if I was there and I would assume the way the investigation would have gone, these are the steps I would have uh, thought that would have gone in, in place, right? That the forensic team would have then collected that sheath. They're not going to leave it there no longer than they need to, right? As soon as the detective sees it, clears it, they're collecting it. They're sealing it in a box. Uh, that box has this tape that goes around it and signature goes around it quite a bit. Uh, that way, if something happens to it or when it gets to the lab and they see it, if there's a break in the seal, they know that somebody messed with it, right? So, yeah, so people won't, anybody can't tamper with it. Right, exactly. So it gets to the state lab. And what happens is a, a, a DNA profile is located. Now, I don't know what kind of DNA it is. I know there's a big assumption out there that it's touch DNA, but I'm not sure if that's the case. I, I honestly don't know. All I do know is that it's single source DNA, which means it's not a mixture of whatever kind of DNA that it is. Right. And so when you have a single source DNA, it's harder to get thrown out. Right. Compared to when you have like a mixture. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Would it be crazy to think that it might be blood? I mean, it is a sheath. You know, I've, I've cut myself with my own blade before. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Like trying to maybe put it back in the sheath. Mm. Yep. It, it could be, you know, but I don't know. From as, as far as we know, everybody thinks it's uh, touch. So we're kind of assuming that too. Maybe yeah. he was he was shaving his mustache and he comes up. Uh what a rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can Canadian True Crime both comes on with five gifted turkey memberships. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank so, you. So so an STR profile is located on this single source DNA. And they enter it into CODIS. Now, once it's in CODIS, what it does is it compares to like convicted felons and and persons currently serving in prison uh, on, on crimes and, and things of that nature. And there's no match. There's no hit. Right. So while they're still investigating the case, they send out that STR lab to um, Othram. Now, Othram is a place that does a lot of different things. One is like looking for like old DNA or, you know, a uh, small DNA that was in, um, what do you call it? Um, 
like old cold cases and stuff like that, right? But one of the other things that they do is they build a family tree based off of the DNA, which is called the IgG. And they start working on it immediately. I'm probably thinking day one uh, after the day that this has occurred or after they've put in the DNA into CODIS and it came back, you know, no match. It, it was probably sent off already. It was probably some sort of communication, even as it was getting tested in Dakotas. Well, anyways, so it gets sent out to Texas. And while that investigation is going on, my assumption is that the Moscow Police Department ran out of suspects. Right. The. The state says that the FBI policy indicates that they cannot. Um, that the FBI won't get involved in a case and do the IgG type of thing unless all suspects are, are not that they won't get involved. They won't do the IgG portion of the uh, investigation unless all suspects have been or all techniques have been exhausted. Right. And there's no more suspects. Mm-hmm. So once there's no suspects or once the PD finds out that they don't have any, I think at that point is when they take over. Now, there's no none saying where they took over at, right? There's none saying that if they went back to Idaho or Boise or, or Quantico in Virginia, but we know that they took over, right? And during their investigation of the IgG is when, um, and what it basically is, is taking, uh, I guess, the DNA, entering it into uh, one of these 23andMe. Uh, it's not 23andMe, but it's like 23andMe. You put your DNA and it kind of points out who your ancestors are, who your cousins are, who you're related to. And they came back with some sort of matches. And they ended up tracing those matches to Brian Koberger. All right. So I think that's that's basically all of it in a nutshell. Now, the FBI never took Brian Koberger's DNA and tested it towards any of the uh, S&P samples that they had, right? So they, there was no direct to, you know, comparison. Yeah. Which, which is what makes it inadmissible. Yeah. They, they, they said, look at this tree, but they didn't say who to look at. Right. And, and I think that, you know, some folks are, I'm thinking that when, when somebody does this, that you're going to get a fifth cousin or a sixth cousin. I mean, shoot. What if, what if Brian Koberger's sister, you know, put her name or information in one of these databases, right? And, and it came back. Now, I, I think that that wouldn't be a little bit too easy to trace back. You know what I'm saying? Because I think they'd probably find him in a day if that came out true. But, you know, if it was somebody and not that far off off the tree. That's a right. more, uh, the more direct connection, right? Right. Or match. Exactly. exactly. Now, the part that that, like, confuses me about this is where, I mean, where's the issue? With the defense, like I understand, they want to see 
you know, the, the, the work, right. How they got to him or whatever, but this isn't being used against them. Right. So let's just say they looked at the work and they found out that, um, FBI agent B is, um, he entered it into ancestry instead of Jed match. Right. He entered it into ancestry on his own. He came up with the name Brian Koberger, uh, through illegal means. Right. He didn't, he went completely rogue. Yeah. yeah. Because you did a search warrant for that, right? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, two, not the, two certain ones, right? Not for the IGG, no. Oh. And I don't think so. No, there, there isn't any. And so they, they end up, you know, this rogue FBI agent goes out there and does this, right? Or let's just say this rogue FBI agent also started the process before Moscow ran out of suspects. Right. So let's just say that, you know, this person says, all right, you know, hey, when we run out of suspects, we're going to want you guys to do an IGG, um, you know, based on your policy. And the guy, FBI agent B is saying, "Nah, man, don't worry about it. I'm going to run it anyways right now. Right. He gets his name and they send it into, you know, to the police department. And then the police department has to go make their investigation. Right. If that ends up coming out and being the case, do you know? Do you guys know what's going to happen with the IgG or the evidence or the case in general? They would uh, probably try to throw out the the evidence if it had to be a rogue um, incident. Yeah, yeah. What What about you, Hannah? What do you think? You know, I'm still stuck at um, how we frame Koberger. <laughs> That would take too much, but like um, in that case, yeah, I think I think that's what they I think that's what they wanted to see make it seem like the process wasn't um, done right, you know? Right, right. But what 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 the jury's not going to see any of this? You know what I mean? This is preliminary court stuff. There's no jury in here, so none of this is like coming out to the jury. This is just what's going to be used and what's not going to be used. So if all those things had occurred and the defense finds out, Hey, this FBI agent violated policy. Let's go with the first one. He violated policy and he started the IGG before they should have. That doesn't affect the case because that's FBI policy, not Idaho state law or United state law, right? That the FBI can't do this or can't do that. So, what would end up happening is the FBI would be forced to reprimand said FBI officer, whether that's, you know, a verbal warning to a suspension with pay to a suspension, a suspension without pay all the way up to termination. Now let's just say um, this person went a little bit further. Oh, also the judge would say, because this FBI agent acted in this manner, all the information and evidence that was found through this is um, out, right? It's called food, you know, anything connected to it is fruit of the poison. It's true. The thing is, <clears throat> well, the IgG or the, the S, well, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So anything there would have been out. 
and they cannot use that information against their client, right? Well, Brian Koberger's team isn't using it against their client. I mean, the defense team, uh, prosecution isn't using it against their client. And none of the stuff that they have gotten was based off of that IgG. So let's just say in that same example, a rogue FBI agent comes in, puts in the information into Ancestry, submits that paperwork over to the Moscow Police Department. They say, hey, here's a tip. Look at Brian Koberger. Now, because they didn't test DNA to DNA, cheek swab to you know, the SNP profile, it's not a guaranteed match. It's, you can't use it in court. It's just kind of like, a, you know, we think it's this guy. Yeah, Go look so at him. Showing show the way, right? Right. It, they still have to create a case against him. Yeah. Right. They still have to find evidence against him. Right. So they go out there and they pull trash out of his parents' house. Mm-hmm. Well, pulling trash out of somebody's house or on the yard when they discarded it is not illegal. And there's nothing illegal about about comparing that DNA to the DNA that's on the sheath. Right. That's something completely separate from the family tree. So you can you can. So that's why I say it's pointless. I mean, you can give them the work if you want. And even if they found something that a rogue FBI agent did something, that doesn't mean that the case gets thrown out, right? Another example would be, let's just say Big Blue, and this is probably going to be an easier example to understand. Let's say Big Blue is like this big drug pin, right? And he's got eight guys that work for him, and those guys have crews, right? You're one of the guys that has a crew, Jaime. And let's just say that you know, I, I, I'm DEA or whatever, right? And I find out we got beef, bro. And I find out that Big Blue, you know, three and the seven drawers, guys, just a heads up. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the name of the crew. That's anyway. the name of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> so so Big Blue's there, he's the he's the drug pin, Hyman works for him, right? You know, I, I tell these officers that are on the street, like, hey, um, we got some intel and we're working a case to bring bring down Big Blue. You know, he's the biggest drug pin there is. And we know that one of the persons that's selling for him is Jaime. What I want you to do is uh, when we found out that Jaime is going to be traveling through town with with some product. Right. And see, the DEA tells the officer, go pull over the vehicle that Jaime is driving in. And we're going to um, use that because we're going to find some drugs and we're going to use that to tie that back to Big Blue. So this officer goes, all right, let's do it. So he goes out, he finds Jaime's vehicle, right? He sees him driving, but he doesn't get any probable cause. Jaime is driving perfect. Doesn't run a stop sign, uses a signal light. Pulls into a uh, a restaurant because he kind of sees that this person's following him, so he knows it's probably best to stop. You know, he hadn't done anything wrong, but the officer decides to light him up at that point and um, pull him out of the car, find the drugs. But there was no probable cause. Bad stop. So that stop gets thrown out. You know what I mean? And the DEA 
can't use that stop as an example or as a as evidence against Big Blue. But if but that doesn't mean that all the evidence against Big Blue is thrown out or the other stops that other officers have made, uh, you know, with Big Blue's workers and they've been able to put all this together, have made, right? The only stop that gets thrown out is, is Hymas, right? Now, that doesn't mean that I can't stop Hyman again the next week if he's out doing it again. You know what I mean? I'm in this, bro. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing here with the IGG. You, you can, it, you know, they pointed in one direction, and it's not usable in court. Yeah. Um, even if you find something illegal in there, mm -hmm. the only thing that can be thrown out from it is itself, which isn't being used. So you're going in a big circle. Yeah, because even if they throw that out, they still, there's still more evidence that has to be explained, right? Well, I mean, throw it out. It doesn't make the difference that his his DNA matched the DNA on the sheath. Yeah, exactly. So if you throw it out, there's still a lot more um, evidence that they found um, well, pertaining to the crime. Because if they throw away what the, what the FBI did, they can still use the DNA because they didn't tamper with that part. Exactly. They can use the DNA from the trash can, and they can use the DNA from the from the knife sheath, the STR, because the STR profile was created before the IgG. If you guys don't believe me, I, I put out a video not too long ago, um, where at the end of the video I show a conversation that I had on truth and transparency with Lena, where we were talking to the defense's witness, Gabriela Vargas. This is the defense's actual witness, and she stated. And I'll play it here in a little bit. I got to go find it. Um, the STR profiles created first and the STR profile and the IgG have nothing to do with each other. Nothing. There is nothing that the STR profile or what can be done to the STR profile. Oh, let me rephrase that. There's nothing that can be done to the IgG workup that will have the STR profile thrown out. Nothing. That's from her defense, or his defense. Yeah, no, like I think it's just them trying to like go through all the hurdles now. That way, at the end, when it gets time to court, they don't get no pushback or delays. Well, I think that I think they're going through the motion of this just to hear it out because it hasn't been used. In Idaho, right? The IGG hasn't been used to find someone. So, you know, they're going through this motion, but that doesn't mean that IGG hasn't been used in America and that there isn't president other in other states. It has been, right? And there's nothing wrong with it. They don't use it, they don't even use it against against their client. You know, once they get the name, they still have to build a case. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And this thing does not prove Brian Koberger did anything. The IgG does not prove it. So that's why they can't use it. It's not what you know. 
It's what you can prove. The IgG yeah. can't prove it was Koberger, but the STR DNA match between Koberger and, and the actual DNA on the knife sheath can. Didn't right? they use that? Didn't they use that for the Golden State Killer? Yes. Yes, they did. You know, mm-hmm. I've been watching I've been watching some some um hold up, can you get out here? Freaking freaking helicopter just passed by. Is that a UFO? I'm pretty sure it was, but I've been watching like other doors. There's a there's a chase going on. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching other mm-hmm. uh, YouTube channels, and some of them are hell bent about uh, you know using any technicality to get Brian Koberger off. You know, I will at least it seems like that. You know. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, dedicated to that. No, I understand that. I mean, and, and, and I get I get what you're saying, because the the argument for the IgG being thrown out mm-hmm. isn't that there's somebody else that committed this crime. It's they did it wrong. So let's not use this evidence against him. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not it's not like, hey, the, the only way that this could be exculpatory is if the um, if the defense finds that evil twin brother that Brian Koberger may or may not have, um, maybe maybe on his grandma's side, I don't know, uh, but the evil twin brother. Because what do we know? We know that the DNA pulled from the trash was the father of the killer, right? Because when they tested it, it had certain amount of markers that would indicate that this was a father, not a brother, because if it was a brother, they'd have more, right? Not a cousin, because if it was a cousin, it'd have less. So it was the father. And we know that I think Brian Koberger is his only son that we know of. So unless there was one missing at birth, because we also know that his DNA matched as well. So unless there's a twin brother, identical twin brothers missing at birth, that, that's the only way the IgG could work for yeah. the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless it, the dad had two families. And Not even two. No, nah, because... Because his he he tested it, his DNA tested as five octillion times, right? It's his DNA. It's it, you know, yeah, it's his DNA. You know, maybe maybe he could argue, you know, that um, he got his DNA on there somehow, like some other way, right? Maybe uh, um, shook hands with somebody or something, right? But uh, I don't even think that they're arguing that it's not his DNA, outside of. They're saying that they don't believe that Moscow Police Department had searched for all other Koberger relatives that were in the area or could have been in the area on the night of November 13th. Yeah. That, that is what their argument is. Yeah, because like I, I remember with, uh, who was it? Was it Dennis Rader? I think it was BTK, I believe. Um, also, I mean, he left a lot of DNA, right, at the, the crime scenes, but they, they could, it never hit because, oh, obviously because of the technology back then, but even towards the, the early 2000s, it didn't, it didn't hit because he wasn't part of the, you know, COVID or whatever, or 
yeah. the DNA was in there. So what they did is that, well, first of all, he messed up by sending in a floppy disk, right? Got his name off of that, right? They, yeah. they pointed him to that direction, but they couldn't. That wasn't enough for them to to run, like to get us, I guess, a warrant for his DNA, right? So they, what that happened is that they got a warrant to get a DNA from the from the daughter, mm-hmm. and from that DNA, they came out that she's the daughter of the DNA that they found years back on on the body. Yeah, so that's that was enough for them to to arrest him. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can use, you know, familial DNA like that, like family DNA. There's there's nothing weird or shady or illegal or, you know, it hasn't not not been done before. You know what I mean? These are things that are common, in my opinion, especially when you have a case like this. Right. When you, when there's DNA involved and, you know, you have uh the IgG and you have an STR profile and you, you go to the guy's house because from what we understand, they didn't get his name until December 19th. So December 19th, he was already in the Pocono mountains. So people always ask, well, if all they needed to do is go get his trash, why didn't they go to his trash in his apartment? Why didn't they bring him in? Why didn't they go to him in Moscow? And that's because they didn't get his name till December 19th. You know, you can't, you can't go back in time, be like, all right, you know, we got his name now it's, it's Wednesday. Let me, let me jump in my car, do 80 miles an hour. And I'll be there on Tuesday. You know, they, they, don't work that they, way. They minority reported him. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe so, man. But, you know, you can't go backwards in time. You can only do what you can do at that moment. And at that moment, he wasn't there. He was a clean freak. He cleaned everything out. And it'd been a few days. At, you know, he, the only thing you would have access to, you wouldn't have access to the inside of his house, would be his doorknob and his front door. Right. What else would you have access to? I mean, maybe if he had a, a, a maybe a floor mat, you know, hope to find some hair or something in there that he's he's you know fallen off. Yeah. Not that they got a search warrant, but maybe his work, maybe his work office, his area. But yeah, know. but I think I think they went out there, man. They didn't find anything. There was no DNA there from the search warrant. Yeah. So even if they went out there and also you don't want to tip him off there too. You know, you want to, you want to do it, you know, uh, covertly. You don't want him to find out. This is a guy that may have taken the lives of four people. And the reason why um, you want to do it covertly is one, you don't know what he's going to do in panic. If he's going to hurt somebody else for himself, justice is to still, you know, get this fi- this guy found guilty by his peers and have the justice system working the way it is supposed to. Right. Now, um, one other thing that, that I wanted to talk about was, you know, some folks are, and we've got a bunch of, um, of emails and text messages or not text messages, emails and Facebook messengers messages, of. And I guess this is the reason why we're also talking about the IgG of these IgG bombshells that I guess have been going around. You know, one of them being um, that I think there was some infidelity involved with one of Koberger's grandparents, which would have made the um, the search more difficult. Uh, what do, What do you guys think about? about that we'll start off with you i mean do you think that 
how do you think infidelity would take a take place or to have a role where you're utilizing a family tree? Well, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of ballsy to even think that, you know, far down your family tree, somebody was unfaithful, which is not, it's, it's plausible, right? But I mean, it would just, if that was the case, I mean, obviously it's going to be, it's going to throw off a couple of, you know, it's going to make it harder. You know what I mean? It's gonna make it harder for them to find uh, a certain aspect of the of the family to to produce a family tree from them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta think about it. It's, it's crazy, but they might have had the milkman going by there. You know, you never know. The milkman <laughs> goes by there, right? Grandma, yeah. gra- grandma was wilding out a little bit. You know, she was having her but- her uh, her fun. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like being like, damn, what's, what's grandma or grandpa doing? They're swingers or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. The, I don't, I don't know how they are, but I mean, it, the '60s were a wild time. It could have been then. It could have been then. They were visiting, you know, Myrtle Beach or Gogo Beach. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Um, Koberger was matched by his blood DNA, not by, you know, uh, just solely a tree, right? Like, for instance, not everything is done by, by, like, what do you call it? All right, we have one family member, right? There's going to be multiple family members that pop out on that situation. So, you know, if they have one and, you know, the, I'm assuming if, if somebody who, um, you know, if this is true, right, that Koberger's grandma was wilding out and it, somebody found out about it now, you know, like so many years later, I'm assuming the FBI probably could figure that out as well. Don't you think, Blue? I mean, it- it, uh, say, yeah, it's, it, yes, yes, and I mean, of course, they would probably do their research, but no, no, I'm what I'm saying is like, like, what do you think, Jaime? Do you think that if, if, if let's just say it was you, right, if you could go out there and figure out that Kobezi's grandma mm-hmm. was, was going crazy back in. You know, between sixty-five and seventy-five, and was being, yeah, she was going crazy, right? Woodstock, whole nine yards. Um, don't you think? Like, don't you think if you found this out so many years later, that the FBI and their resources probably could figure it out too? I'm sure they can. I mean, it'll probably take a little bit longer, but I'm sure they would. Why would it take? Why would it take Maybe. longer if that's their specialty? I mean, that's what they do. Yeah, they have. Yeah, no, but like, I guess, I guess it just comes down to the. Well, I mean, it's easier to find. Back then, it was easier, right? Just to like fake documents and stuff like that. But now with DNA and all the technology, it's a little bit easier, especially if, you, like you said, if they have a whole. Um, What's it called? Um, like they got a whole, few people. Yeah, they have like a branch of just 
they dedicate their whole life to this. Yeah. You know? Like, like, do you think that they've ever come across somebody who's been, uh, you know, cheating and has a baby outside of wedlock the, or outside of marriage? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think, I think they, they probably have dealt with something like that before. You know what I mean? I think they've handled that. So uh, that that's an, this is another case of, you know, what we don't know means it doesn't, it's not there. It's not, it doesn't happen. Right. So if we don't know it, that the police investigated this person or investigated that person, all right. They, we do know that they secretly took a, a cigarette bud from somebody. We don't know who, but because we don't know who I, I hear that, you know, one argument is, well, they didn't investigate anybody else. I'm like, how can you say they didn't investigate anybody else if they took a cigarette bud secretly from somebody else? Right? Yeah. You know, make it make sense. Make it make sense. See, and that's, the thing is that well, the way I was trying to get to earlier was the only way they would be able to find that out is they would have to do a genealogy test between Goldberger's dad and his dad, you know, to see if they matched. Because, of course, yeah. he's going to have the mom's DNA and the grandma. So, I mean, it's plausible. But uh, sorry, Miss Goldberger, for throwing those jokes out there if you ever see this. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And, and who's to say it's Mrs. Goldberger? You know, if it's his grandma, he's he's got another one. All right. And, and, and who's to say that the um, that the person that they matched up to Koberger was on his, you know, mom's mom's side or dad's mom's side. I don't know which which grandparent was wilding out there. You know, who's to say it wasn't from the other side of the family that had nothing to do with that? All right. There's a lot of assumptions being made about, you know, what person they um you know, the FBI used to try to build a tree to connect to Koberger. We don't know. We don't know. And, 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 you know, I get it that maybe perhaps Koberger and, and his defense team, they don't know either. And they want to find that out. But do you know how you test the accuracy of the IgG? Do tell. You, you test it by um, testing the STR. If the STR matches, that means you did the IgG correct. If the STR doesn't match, that means that the person that they pointed to isn't the right person. And guess what happened in this case? It was the right person. It's the right person. I mean, that's just that's how you do it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Right, so let's see, Daniel. Uh, I thought a buccal swab was collected in a search warrant, not a blood sample. Uh, I, I don't know if I said anything about a blood sample, but yeah, he he did get a uh, warrant. For his buccal swab, yeah. So, <clears throat> let's see. Ah, oh, we we got some stuff that starred. Blue over there is going ham. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. Keep them, keep keep them, keep them start because we'll talk about those towards the end. Thank you, Blue. Um. All right. So, the other thing I want to talk about is. Or that I heard, and, and and nothing against anybody. Like we, like I said, we got a bunch of emails and text messages or Facebook messages and stuff about the IgG and how it's going to prove Koberger's innocent. And we had 
we got a lot of videos coming from truth and transparency when it came to the igg and uh, talk to lena in fact we're going to do a uh, show a little bit later it's nothing but respect and and whatnot but um this is from her live show let me pull this up real quick mm-hmm. and what i want to talk about is <clears throat> basically the um the argument is that the, the 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 prosecution the the state destroyed the FBI's IGG work or removed it right and they shouldn't have right they didn't have a right to to do that they didn't have a right to remove it from the database <clears throat> well i don't have this paperwork so i'm only going to play just a small clip of this but i don't have this paperwork she does and she's just going to read it off there and i want to Kind of go through this and and talk about this. Gotcha. I actually didn't have it on. Let me rewind that real quick. these little footnotes for you. These requests should be made only after the suspect's known STR DNA profile has been manually paired to the forensic profile previously uploaded to CODIS. And it has been determined that the profiles match. So what she said right there was, and this is referencing when you can get, um, or when the um, IgG work can be destroyed because one of the biggest claims is you know if if the state did everything right why don't they give them the paperwork that the uh, the defense is asking for well this is what the defense is asking for they want the IgG paperwork right and so <clears throat> the state is saying we don't have it it doesn't exist the argument is saying that it does exist and they just don't want to give it over right so what she just said right there is that the uh, known STR profile matches the uh, the STR, which means once you've known who the STR profile belongs to, that's that's after you figured it out, mm-hmm. right? That's not before. It's after you've already figured it out, and um, there's a match between that person's profile. And the profile that you used for the testing in this scenario would be the DNA that's left on the sheath. Yeah. So when you would have went and obtained, okay, this DNA. And Lena right here, I think she's might be confusing the known STR aspect of it. And she's thinking that they needed to match the, um, the DNA off of the food or whatever it was, the trash that, connected to Brian Koberger's dad. That's not the case. So that's what she's trying to say here. Um, what they're saying is the known STR profile, which is once you find out who it is, and once it's no longer a mystery, right? Once you know who it is and you've tested it and that becomes a match, that's when you can destroy this. DNA to compare it to, Okay. You would have needed, how are you comparing anything from the sheath if you don't have the 
um, if you went and got trash <laughs> and this trash does not belong to Brian Kohlberger at all, because you don't even know, you know, who's trash. I mean, what, whatever the fuck you think that you're going and getting, but it's telling you that these requests should be made only after the suspect's known STR DNA profile has been manually compared to the forensic profile previously uploaded to CODIS. And, and then the profile information and data should be removed only after, only after the suspect's STR DNA profile has been manually compared to the forensic profile previously uploaded to CODIS and it has been determined that the profiles match. Boom. I think that's that's the boom that that everybody should be waiting for. That, that once that profile matches, you can get you can destroy it. Do, do, do you want to know why you can have it destroyed at that point? Can can y'all take a guess? Mm, I don't know, do you? Because it doesn't matter no more. You have the STR profile match. You, you it doesn't the other, matter. Wait, everybody else's too. Don't even though how they, the family tree or whatever it doesn't matter because they're not part of the thing, you know. They already matched the they already matched the DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, they match the DNA. They no longer need the IgG. You can have it destroyed at that point because that's not usable in court, right? And let me let me rewind that just in case anybody. I guess missed that last part. Again, I'm not poking fun or doing any of those things. Today. I just, I don't have this paperwork. And so um, she does, and I'm just pulling out what she and was this reading. trash does not belong to Brian Kohlberger at all, because you don't even know, you know, who's trash. I mean, what, whatever the fuck you think that you're going and getting. But it's telling you that these requests should be made only after the suspect's known STR DNA profile has been manually compared to the forensic profile previously uploaded to CODIS. Once the known STR profile has been compared to the previously uploaded STR profile that was entered into CODIS. Known. This is after they know who he is. This is when they have the buccal swap. This is when this got destroyed. This wasn't destroyed or removed from the database, you know, uh, before Brian Koberger's arrest. This wasn't before um, Brian Koberger's arraignment. This was after the buccal swab test positive that is 100% or 99.91 octillion nines after that 0.8 or whatever percent him the guy. And then. And. And then the profile information and data should be removed only after. Only after the suspect's. STR DNA profile has been manually compared to the forensic profile previously uploaded to CODIS, and it has been determined that the profiles match. I mean, it's it's clear as day there, yeah. in my opinion. So, like, you know, just to kind of um, round it all up in a bucket. Oh, go ahead, Jaime. Yeah, I, I understand where she's coming from, though. You know what I mean? Like, at the same time, I know she at one point said, you know, you don't want, like, obviously nobody wants to be putting someone in that position if they're innocent, right? Right. But it can also go the other way, right? 
What about if you let go of someone that has actually did this crime? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and like I said, the arguments when it comes to Koberger aren't aren't like, you know, he's innocent because, you know, there was, um, you know, there's a video of a white Elantra and in, in um, shoot, Coeur d'Alene at 3, 345, which would make it impossible for him to get to um, Moscow at 4, right, at 4.05 a.m. And it would make it impossible for him to have been the Elantra that was driving around. But there's no, like, proof that it's him except him saying, hey, I was there, right? I was there in Coeur d'Alene. And the only, the only thing they have is, that, oh, well, there's a video of a white Elantra that looks like his driving around. Well, his statement plus that corroborates each other. That's evidence of him being somewhere else. Yeah. You know, those type of, there's nothing like that. Like, oh, there was a white car, even though it can't necessarily prove that it was his, you know, something that can add to what he is saying. You know what I mean? Uh, but when it comes to like this IgG stuff to kind of just round it out, it's not being used against him. It wasn't used in his arrest warrant. There's nothing there about any IgG. The the only thing that's in there that doesn't um, correlate with Brian Koberger's actual DNA is the DNA from Koberger's um, dad from the trash pool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't know. And you know, there's no connection between the two. Right? You know, I'm gonna try to go find that actually real quick. Um, I know where it's at. I'm still like, you know, when it comes down to like people, you know, thinking that somebody frame is framing uh, Koberger, I was like, wouldn't they, like, if I was to frame someone for that specific crime, I would, I would try to frame an ex convict that has been known to, you know, like domestic violence. Yeah, it would have been easier because he'll already be in the system. Mm hmm. Yeah, boom. I don't know why, but they go up out of their way to get someone that has nothing to do. You know, like they don't they don't have his DNA and code. Is he does have no uh, no arrest or you know record? Um, they went and got a car that's similar to his, and he he admitted to be driving around around the time and the pings and everything like that. I don't know why they would go through all that fake DNA, go through several agencies to go with their, with the frame job. It's just, it's way too much. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, it it is insane. Um, Truth and translucent comes in with a two forty nine super sticker. Thank you so much. Uh, Truth and translucent. We appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much. And those are pounds, right? Pounds. I think so. I got plenty of those. <laughs> Not in money, but just in weight. <laughs> I think I got more than you, sir. <laughs> got you beat. You know, when, when, when I get in the car, you know, I was like, damn, I think I need struts. Right. Boy rocks. That's, that's <laughs> time I parked right next to a curb, oh, bro, and I sat down, and, like, the door wouldn't open. or close. <laughs> I had to get out through, like, this little side, and then so the car can lift up. 
All right, so I finally found it. Just so everybody, when it comes to the uh, fruit of the poisonous tree, this is the conversation. Uh, and you can find this in the rest of this uh, video on our videos list. Go check out our playlist, you know, the whole nine yards. Hit that like and subscribe button again while you're at it. But uh, this, the title of this video, it's a eight minute, 46 uh, second video that aired out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's titled two SMP profiles, DNA to be thrown out, question mark, Brian Koberger. And I'm just going to play it for the last couple of seconds here. Again, one more time for those in the back that refuse to hear. And I will tell you this, when the STR profile is created, it it is created on its own prior to IgG involvement. But but the STR profile is already created. It has nothing to do with what I do. Nothing to do with what she does. I'm going to be the She's... first one to say that there's way too many Dannys on the screen right now. <laughs> There could be. There could be. All right. Let's go through some of these uh, starred questions and then we'll uh, call it a show. Let's see. I was like, uh, I'm I'm listening in the back. I don't know who he's talking to me for. Um, Melissa, send me a um, send us an email. Drunkturkeyshow at gmail.com. My mama says nine months. What did I what did you, what did you ever do without me? We don't know. We love every one of you guys. We appreciate y'all for being yes, here. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Thank you. Curious, do you guys still live near each other? Somewhat, yeah. Y'all too. Y'all too do the same neighborhood. Me, me, yeah, me and Blue live me and Blue live closer, but I mean you could probably put two or two of our cities or old cities in between where me and Blue live. But it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it is almost on the same side of town. I mean, compared to where we used to live, it's it's pretty far apart. Um, let's see. Um, how do we know his dad didn't conceive with a woman before marrying Brian's mom? This woman then ran to Washington where she, as a family, when Brian did his 23 and me, he found a brother. I mean, if Brian found him, I think the FBI would, too. There it is. So anything else in the uh, live chat that you guys saw that you guys want to comment or talk about before we call it out? I'm good. I don't know about Blue. Blue's in charge of the chat. I'm not, I have a full screen right now. So. Yeah, I don't see anything that I I caught my attention yet. No, I'm sorry. I was drinking my soda because I was thirsty. I wasn't reading. All righty. Uh, with that being said, I appreciate everybody here. We'll be back on Wednesday and we leave you with this. Again, one more time for those in the back that refuse to hear. And I will tell you this. When the STR profile is created, it it is created on its own prior to IgG involvement. But, but the STR profile is already created. It has nothing to do with what I 